Would you look at that? We're back. Oh my gosh, it's been so long. I miss you guys. It's me again, Carson Higgins. We're doing this. We're doing it, baby. It's the first rule of film club. Man, did you guys get this new book, this Quentin Tarantino, Once Upon a Time, dot, 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 in Hollywood? Because it's really good. I read this book. It's brand new. It's based off the movie. And it's one of those things where I listened to Quentin talk about it. First of all, I hope you enjoyed the film already. You should you should definitely have seen the film Once Upon a Time in Hollywood before listening to this. I would also really advise you to read the book before listening to this. Unless you don't want to read it and you don't mind it getting spoiled because my buddy JT's here and we're going to spoil the shit out of this book. And so I don't want to ruin it for you if you if you were thinking you wanted to check it out. And I think you should want to check it out because honestly, it's Quentin's first novel. He's never done this before. And he did a really fucking great job. I really just was, it was a page turner. I read this thing very quickly. And it is, well, we're going to get into all the details of it. But this book is not, you know, a, a page to screen adaptation sort of situation. It's, it's very much its own thing. It kind of stands on its own two legs a little bit. Uh, it's all the same characters, it's all the same events, but uh, we just kind of look at everything from uh, the other side of the coin. So some of the scenes that occur in the movie are in the book, and some aren't. Uh, and so it turns into like a really cool companion piece. And JT and I both read the book at the same time, and so we wanted to kind of discuss what, what, what we thought of the book and, you know, versus how the movie plays out because we both love Quentin, we love this movie, so it was it was a no-brainer that we'd get on the mic and talk about the book and the movie. So I hope you uh, enjoyed the book as much as I did, because we're, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it right now. Uh, so sit back, take a, take a sip, or keep driving, and don't sip nothing with alcohol, I guess, you know. You don't want to drink and drive while you listen to this, or do anything. This is not a PSA. Just sit back, relax, JT and I talking about QT, and his new book, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Enjoy. JT is here. Carson, I'm in the house. What's up, buddy? Oh, you know, just uh, fresh off a Tarantino marathon, it feels like. And the, the... The, a brisk marathon. Seriously, it flew by, right? Yeah. Uh, go ahead and tell them tell tell the people what we're talking about well they they know what we're doing we're doing we're talking about the book once upon a time in hollywood quentin tarantino's first novel right that's correct i can't wait for more i i know he's gonna have more and we'll talk about it but uh yeah jt and i both recently read the book uh it just recently came out uh and then we both rewatched the film and so we're just kind of having a little book versus the movie thing how many how many times did you seen the film prior to reading the book i saw that movie three times opening weekend in the theater mm -hmm. it's it you know what's fun i almost feel like somehow some way somewhere i knew that we weren't going to go to the movies for a year and a half so you just crammed it in as many <laughs> you know, times. I like, yeah i just gotta see this thing more man well because it was like i i'm sure we have similar things but it was like I, it was initially announced ninth film coming out then it was like it has to do with the manson murders and then it's like Brad Pitt and Leo are in it. And so 
all all the build up to opening night, I finally sit down and I'm like, how's Tarantino gonna tackle the Manson murders? And so the tension that was bubbling in my viewing oh, experience, yeah. and I'm sure yours and all kinds of people's, the first time they saw it was a totally different experience to every time since. Mm-hmm. Am, I, am I speaking for you too much or does that ring true? No, 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 that's, that's true for the film because everyone didn't, well, he had just come off of Hateful Eight and Django mm-hmm. and Inglorious mm-hmm. Bastards three in a row. And they were all, uh, you know, revisionist history in a way. Well, not Hateful Eight, but just kind of like genre exercises. Um, and, uh, you know, very fast paced. Things happen in every scene, action packed. And uh, even, even Hateful Eight, you know, something, that thing moves, even if it's people just sitting around talking. Yeah, he had uh, been he had been back in time for so long. Com- yeah. Coming up to 1969 felt a little closer to present day. Well, this seemed more of a character study than totally. those other films, more along the lines of like Pulp Fiction, where it was these kind of separate storylines kind of interweaving together. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, character study, which is interesting because the book, after you've seen this film, you know, however many times, uh, which uh, like you, I saw it three times opening weekend, 70 millimeter, and then, you know, different whatever yeah. screenings they were doing. Uh, and then you have a picture of these characters in your mind, how they, how you feel about them. Brad Pitt's uh, Cliff, you know, Cliff Booth. If you think he's just the coolest guy ever. Um, Read the book. <laughs> then... This is what this is what I want to get into. First off, what I love about the book is um, after you get the full story of all these people, literally every single character, except for one notable one, you feel completely different about if you rewatch the film, mm, knowing mm-hmm. their full story. Right. There's like, just a way a way fuller picture of the of the person. It, but he's basically made two films in one. Because you have all this story, this backstory now, and maybe sympathies lie where they didn't necessarily before. And, uh, you know, when you get a full picture of somebody's story, what was maybe cute or fun before turns way darker. Totally. To the point of, like, I'm not so down with this anymore. And with those lenses on, you can't really go back to what it was pre-reading the book. Right. It's wild. It's like so, now you know. <laughs> now you know, and now that movie is a different movie now. Like yeah. whatever you thought that movie was before reading the book, you can never get that back because mm-hmm. now those characters are completely different, which is a, like a magic trick and it's still faithful to the story, which is yes. a very like, what, it's just a tricky thing to pull off. We're we're gonna go ahead and spoil everything. So for the love of God, people, if you are if you haven't read the book and you want to, if you think you want to, turn us off. Go read the book. It won't take you very long, and then come back. Then yeah. come back and enjoy the the this and that. I will but, you say know, it took like that's it. it. Took that's me the last two warning. Days. Two yeah, days. It took no time at all. Brisk, brisk. But that's the last warning, and we're we're just gonna have a good time talking. We're gonna talk about all details yeah. that we want. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree, dude. And magic trick was even a word, like a phrase that I thought of. I was like, how did he pull off? Basically, it, it exists side by side with the film, but it's not like 
I don't feel that the film is an adaptation of the book and I don't feel that the book is trying to be a novelization of the film. It's like two sides of a coin. They're companion pieces. Correct. It feels way more like a companion piece thing. And there was one little section that really highlighted that for me when I rewatched the film was when we get to the Lancer set, right? Mm -hmm. And right. Uh, Rick's like just getting to set. He asks the guy where the trailer is or whatever, and he goes walking off. And we see Sam, the director, working with two guys in a carriage. And you're, and I'm like, oh, that's Scott and and fucking Johnny Madrid, baby. That's Scott Lancer. And I, like, I know, I now know more of who, what the show Lancer is about. And so I, I had never noticed in the background that there, there's yeah. a scene being shot with Luke Perry and Timothy Oliphant that like. Mm -hmm. And I just, it was so fun to be like, hey, wait, we learned all about that in the book. And it's just like a thing in the background sure. in the movie. So it's like the book really fleshes out these things that you just will see for at a glance, or maybe it's a whole moment before a scene that is in the film. Yeah. And I uh, love it. I love that he did that. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's super fun to just get to know uh, a lot of these little, you know, ancillary characters, but like the Jim, um, Jim Stacy uh, thing. They just go off. He just goes off on a, a chapter yeah. for like 20, 20 pages. It just says, here's the backstory with this dude. And you're like, wow, Timothy Oliphant's character in the movie uh, beforehand, you're just kind of like, yeah, he's the other guy in the thing. But with this backstory, you kind of have this new sympathy for him or almost totally. like a pit, like almost a weird pity. Like totally. where you're like, oh, he, he like just... feels less than to Rick yeah. a little bit. And just the whole play out of like that he doesn't come say hi to Rick for so long. His machismo and like mm -hmm. just, yeah, exactly. The, you... And so then in the movie when it's just like, hey, I'm Jim Stacy. This is my show. So glad you're here. It's like, we know that Rick has been judging this guy all day because he hasn't come to say what up. Yeah. Well, I will say the major uh, difference in, well, to talk about the differences in the uh, novel and the movie is, uh, you know, like you were saying, gearing up the first time you see it for this Manson whatever thing. How and is Tarantino going to... Like, is he gonna make how is he gonna him? murder? How's he gonna, how's murder, he gonna murder Margot Robbie as Sharon Tate? How's exactly. that gonna fucking happen? So then you see the revisionist history at the end of the movie, and it's this big surprise and haha, -ha, whatever. Two and, and a half hours later, we subvert what, what you thought you were coming to see, <laughs> yeah. And it's this you know, dread or whatever. In the book, he talks about it at page like 115 or something, like just mm -hmm. like, oh, uh, by the way, later on, um this whole thing with these hippies break in and happens and Rick uses this uh, flamethrower to take one of them out anyway. And <laughs> yeah, that's, right? that's, that's, that's it. It got him more work because he got like more notoriety in the paper. He, he, he almost like, was ends a badass. That, <laughs> he almost ends that, that paragraph by saying, and they lived happily ever after almost like it's, it's almost like the end of the book comes a quarter of the way through or the end of the story comes a quarter of the way through mm -hmm. very Pulp Fiction-y totally. uh, playing with time. Uh, but what I think the no the novel comes at, becomes at that point is Rick's story. It's all mm -hmm. about Rick the whole time. Oh yeah. Um, you do learn a lot about uh, Sharon Cliff. Tate. Oh yeah. And 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 Cliff too. You know, and some like fun backstories and Pussycat, which we'll get to in a in minute. A <laughs> oh my god. Uh, but um, you know, you learn 
you basically have this deep felt like i don't know uh new appreciation for rick's character and i think his character was kind of slept on in the when the reviews came out everyone was all crazy about Pitt and uh you know kind of margot robbie and uh dicaprio kind of got swept under the rug a little bit um, Dude, Rick holds it down in the movie. Leo does such a good job of such a keeping good job. all of that. Every, I, he reading the book made me appreciate his performance in the movie so much more. The stutter, the totally the stutter is devastating. Instead of just kind of like a weird acting choice, where I was like, "Why is Leo like got a southern accent and he's stuttering yeah. every once in a while?" But now that I've read the book, I'm like, "Oh, oh, look the, at Rick! Look at Rick o- trying." He's always spitting, but you don't realize that he's spitting up blood, which you kind of mm-hmm. learn in the book. Totally. Uh, you know, there's, um, yeah, anyway. So I think just this kamikaze effect with totally. these characters is amazing. The, the, the first scene in the book with uh, at Schwarz's office, mm-hmm. I just, I love that I'm like, oh, wait a minute. This is that scene from Musso and Frank's, but it's at the office and Cliff isn't there and a lot of the same information is happening, but we're getting more information with a little bit of a twist. And it's just like, what an interesting way to approach this project. Yeah. And I think that's probably how it was written in the script. And then they were like, uh, okay, we got Musso and Franks for the day or whatever. (laughs) And we can introduce Cliff at the same time, the both, but then Mm. there's that little, side story about cliff flirting with the receptionist and then taking her out on a date and his whole like womanizing kind of <laughs> you know alter ego thing playboy uh thing and you know quasi pimp yeah uh, yep oh i want to talk about that later too yeah well the the thing i love the most about the the novel is just if you like tarantino's writing this dude writes a scene. He knows how to write a scene. He yeah. paints a picture for better or worse. And, uh, <laughs> you know, there's uh, there's just little left to the imagination and he does it in so few words. Yes. And it's just like gripping writing. One of the most uh, terrifying chapters I've read in a long time is when we first meet Pussycat. And Talk about it. She's, Talk about it, JT. She's naked crawling through you know in a burglary breaking and entering we don't really know what she's up to but she's naked and she has a red light bulb in her mouth the whole time talking to herself having a full-on conversation with charles manson in her mind and you don't know what is about to go down and this is like a i don't know 12 page just little introduction to who this person is in okay i'm just gonna go into it please Get it. So this speaks a lot to Margaret Qualley's acting ability. She Mm -hmm. is so incredible and got like pretty rave reviews across the board for being pussycat. And she's cute. She's bubbly. She looks. I don't even think I knew that what her name was in the movie. (laughs) It's like, did they say her name pussycat Pussycat. in the movie? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Kind of thrown away. Pussy. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. We love our pussy. Thanks for bring- oh, and he's like, yes, we do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so you know, she's just this quirky, fun person wants to suck your dick on the four hundred five, and you know, she's fun. Mm-hmm. Then we meet her in the book, 
and we realize this person is unstable as fuck toxic um, teenager <laughs> and so this is my big big nitpicks even like an understatement like the way tarantino writes her in the in book the, in the book is vile it is yeah she's gross she's it's, i think she's meant to i think we're meant to think she's gross yeah but he paints a picture like this like oh his sex writing it like is you, like nauseating do you, you think can, that he enjoys the gross bitch that he's written I or, is that is that like of, part of what's bugging you is that like that, that maybe he's this it, creepy like, scene is like somehow getting well, quentin off somewhere it's almost like i think because we've seen margaret qualley in this role mm-hmm. it's like the equivalent of like one of your buddies going very like being grotesquely detailed about his girlfriend and it's his like, sex hey, life and you're like man i know her we went to lunch <laughs> i shook her hand yeah like i don't need to hear all of that you don't have to tell me everything <laughs> yeah and it's and it's so like uh and and then the top it all off she's 16 and right, so you're right, just like right oh my bro like stop like mm-hmm. ugh. but she is terrifying mm-hmm. and then now when you watch the movie again you're like, bro, you, you picked up the wrong one. Get out yeah. of there immediately. And, and tell me if you felt this way, but when, when he goes to Spawn Ranch and meets George and all that, and he's leaving mm-hmm. and Pussycat's like, you embarrassed me, that whole scene with him in the movie, she, she like was freaking me out in that scene re-watching the movie because I had read the backstory. And so now I'm like, Pussycat's kind of freaking me out now. Oh, like, this and not is to super mention, uncomfortable to Not be to here. mention her dad. Oh my Ooh. god, that backstory is amazing. That's okay. Let's let's leave that one. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's not spoil that one. But okay. Yeah. <laughs> Pussycat's dad. Holy lord. He so, went yeah. through it. He went through it. So unfortunately, I had like a little kind of crush on this weird hippie yeah. girl in the movie. Well, because Margaret Qualley is that her name? Yes. Okay. It's she's Mary's twenty, th- whatever. Yeah, and in it's, real uh, life, so and, it's okay to like her. Yeah, and it's but Andy the character McDowell's, in the book is a minor. Oh, that's right, that's right. Eddie McDowell's daughter. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, in the book, she's you know she's a minor. question mark. She's age. in a cult. She's and we get a crimes. very very detailed description of what her naked body looks like, and mm-hmm. you're just like, my guy, I don't. Oh man, it's tough. It's a tough. But you know, I I think that it, it's it's a. It's one of the symptoms of what he created, but I really felt like once I closed the book and rewatched the movie, I was just like, Quentin's magic trick, that's when I was talking about this, that that I think he pulled off is he really and truly put me in a time machine. Like, we're just here to observe the reality of what happened and- In quotes, I'm reality. sorry, correct, correct, in quotes, reality. But uh, like, he went that far to paint that clear of a picture that vivid of a picture that it's like yeah man this minor is um questionable like you are having these cliff who is 50 whatever is freaking out in a little bit he's like shit this piece of ass is so hot but she's definitely underage and she's kind of gross and but but it also goes to a point uh, he takes the time to say like cliff's not really interested in this person he wants to go right. check on his friend right, right and what all these hippies are doing on spawn ranch because something something's rotten and something's rubbing him the wrong way yeah 
Yeah. Other than Pussycat. Other than Pussycat. And also the the uh, alternative to her, instead of her offering to suck his cock in the car, like what she does in the book is so much that's, gnarlier. That's what I'm, that's, yeah. Uh, yeah I'm trying, no, I know, dancing but, around that. It's like, no, no, no. Oh. But it's like what she does instead is so much gnarlier. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> like, actually, the uh, suck your cock in the car is it's kind the of PG quaint. version. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of quaint compared like, to oh, yeah, it was the hippies, you know, they're yeah, always sucking uh, dick for gas out there. Yeah, <laughs> ask gas or grass, right? Um, um, here, I, I did want to ask you a question. Um, if you had not seen the movie first, uh-huh. what like what what do you think the takeaway would be if someone were to find the novel first and then watch the film um like would you have wanted to do it that way no because i think, I think the I most been. fun of either the book or the movie is that reveal at the end of the movie totally the, and that's the most fun, you know, if you saw that in the theater opening weekend, you people had were like kind of bored after like the t- two hour mark being like, yeah, man. when he's just like making Lancer for an hour, it's like, what yeah. the fuck's going to happen in this movie? Where's Sharon Tate? I thought this was a Charles Manson thing. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I don't think, or, or maybe that's why he put it so early in the thing that maybe by, you know, page 100, you're like, whoa, that sounds like a crazy thing that happened to them. And it's out of your mind by page 350. And so you think, oh, this is just a story about this actor. Oh, Leo's mm-hmm. playing the actor. That's going to be incredible. Like, uh, this is his story. And then you go into it and you realize, holy, sh- oh, this is all leading up to that crazy thing that I totally forgot about from right, the right. first hundred pages. <laughs> um so I think it would have worked either way. I think you would have still been surprised unless you had read the book like three times. Yeah. Um, Memorize it. Because so often, you know, a, a book gets adapted, you see the movie and it's like, oh, the book's so much better than the movie. But by doing it kind of backwards this way and making them so different, mm-hmm. it's, I, 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 would, I, I would love to talk to someone that reads the book before seeing the film and and what on earth if there like, are do you enjoy people. the book like yeah well how I mean, confusing I, was it when you started being like wait quentin tarantino's in the book i think my two favorite chapters in the book are um the pussycat introduction with the light break, bulb uh, yeah Gr- it's so well in. written it's such a well-written sequence and, and cliff's diner moment with the uh mafia oh mafiosos. my god when he gets away with murder the second time first time that was first the first time. time yeah his getting away with Ooh, murder the first that was time. Su- that Sorry. is such a tarantino scene but it was also like a scorsese scene well the most tarantino thing which i'm going to give you all the time in the world to talk about is pimpin ain't easy which <sighs> is such a tarantino if you want a master class in tarantino monologues there you go laid out for you yep in three straight pages oh it's amazing go ahead could you do you think that's who tim roth played in the movie because you know how in the credits it's like uh tim roth uh un, like uh un what was it cut out of the movie scenes <laughs> cut, cut. i wonder if he played the print the pimp one and does that monologue 100 percent. that's who he played <laughs> i hope because if that exists, if, if there is like a director's cut of this movie that is closer to four hours long and it has that scene in it, I would fucking love to, to see it. If, if it's, if, 
Oh, you know who I bet it is? I bet he is. Huh. Uh, Marshall Lancer or whatever. Oh, or the Murdoch, dad. Murdoch Lancer. Murdoch Lancer. That's that's possible. That's also possible. But um, if he was the the French pimps. Yeah. The the whole sequence of I all the stuff of like cliff in the war so like that's why he was like well fuck i don't know if i want to go back home yet so he goes to france i also love how much of a cinephile cliff is i really oh. dug that little section i am curious yellow oh yeah <laughs> have you it's, seen i am curious yellow no i know have you ever heard of it before yes because it's uh i think i did a some movie was coming out where it, it uh, i was doing research about probably nymphomaniac it, it was something along the lines where there was unsimulated sex uh, and it was like charlie countryman or whatever the uh i can't remember Shia and, LaBeouf and, movie yeah and reading on the wikipedia page it was like a a blue link to films that had unsimulated sex oh let's see, see and that. and it was named as one of the avant-garde like ones that made it okay is it art is it whatever mm-hmm. yeah is so. it porn or is it art and so of course i googled it and it was a criterion or something i think it's in criterion so. it is it is it's on the criterion channel <laughs> oh yeah uh but i like i had never date... even i don't even think i had ever heard of the movie I, like i didn't know anything about it yeah and i like so that I was like look date, at that <laughs> the the receptionist called it totally. i am bored yellow <laughs> <laughs> what a what a tweet <laughs> yeah that's exactly um, what Twitter would have been for in the 60s. So yeah, uh, Tarantino's monologue. Uh, yeah, but that I, I, it's the only page in the book that I dog-eared because I was like, I must know where this monologue is at all times. And it's, it's just, you know, what is it? Two and a half whole pages of a French dude, French pimp, just telling Cliff what it takes to be a pimp and that you got to take care of these bitches. <laughs> that, that pimping ain't easy. Pimpin' Ain't Easy is exactly what that monologue should be called. And it's and it was one of the most finely written sections of the whole thing. It's yeah, it's wild. I'm gonna learn that monologue, JT. I'm gonna put on a nice suit and I'm gonna say it. Yeah, it's uh it's dicey. <laughs> it's, a, it's a dicey well, one. You know, it is, but hey, you know, we're dicey. Art is people. dangerous, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um uh, what did you think of the uh Aldo Ray chapter? Um Cause I don't know much about the real Aldo Ray, the actor. Yeah. I, so like learning about his drinking problem and everything. And, and I love that that's where the sentence once upon a time, dot, dot, dot in Hollywood occurs. But it's yeah. that, that whole thing where he's like on set of some movie and Cliff gives him the bottle and like, it's an unwritten rule in Hollywood that no one gives Aldo yeah, Ray a bottle. Exactly. And he goes through the whole list of all the, you know, from W.C. Field, the Mount Rushmore of yeah. like Hollywood drinkers. I, well, I would have loved to see that in the movie. You know what I mean? It's it is fun <laughs> winding up at sections in the book that aren't in the film and being like, man, I would have loved to see that. And it's well, like, well, you got to read it and you get to imagine it. I have not read Ready Player One. I love the movie. I'm one of those people that, that really likes that movie, but I haven't read the book. And I know okay. people love the book and it's some sci fi shit, whatever. I'm the uh, asshole who likes both a lot. Awesome. The book and uh, the movie. And they're very different too. So from what I have been told about the book, it's a lot of like just listing pop culture references. And I think this is, if you've ever seen Tarantino on a late night show, like Kimmel or whatever, they always play like a game, like uh, blindfolded. I'm going to read you the synopsis of some like 80s straight to video thing. 
and he'll guess it and then be like actually the first assistant director was the so-and-so on this who later became this and it's just weird rain man shit he's that way (laughs) and so this is like him being able to do that in novel form a lot of that where it's just like here's a chapter on all of the westerns half of them are made up because or you know however many are made up but there's that was enough. a lot of fun too, realizing like, oh, some of these are real and some of these are not. Well, I like too when he's like, uh, Trudy went on to be nominated for three Academy Awards, never winning. First time for Ordinary People in 1984, Best Supporting Actress playing Timothy Hutton's girlfriend. Yep. And you go and you look on IMDb, you're like, nominated for six Academy Awards and not for Supporting Actress. And who knows if Timothy Hutton, who is in that movie, didn't. Yep. Yeah, so you're like, who did play his girlfriend in that did she go yeah so there's like fun little she also was nominated for uh that war movie in 1999 correct directed by tarantino oh (laughs) right i I was like whoa in this universe tarantino did a war film in 99 yeah how bizarre (laughs) yeah that's somewhere between jackie brown and kill bill he did an oscar nominated world war War picture or whatever the fuck yeah yeah he even he even rewrites his own history a little bit it's great Mm -hmm. uh let's see what did you did you have anything in the book that like you loved the most or hated the Uh, most or just something that you felt very strongly towards other than what we've already discussed i'm i'm just a tarantino nerd so it's like whenever i would start a chapter the longest they ever were were like you know 15 pages or something like that and you would start, you'd be like, okay, this is a whoever chapter. And you're like, even if you're not in the mood, say, cause it's jumping around from person to person, but you're like, all right, we'll get through this Polanski chapter. But about a paragraph in, you're like, oh, this is actually very interesting. And it's flying by. I, I love how quickly it flies by. It's wild. One of my favorite things is in the Polanski chapter when talking about how he frames like just half of Ruth Gordon's face during the shooting of Rosemary's Baby. I almost put Rosemary's Baby on because of it. Yeah, Dude, I, yeah, because I don't recall that scene, but I do remember the first time watching Rosemary's Baby and like just feeling like I'm being led through a maze and every once in a while being like, oh, not that way. You know what I mean? Like the film is so good at, at disorienting you. And then reading Quentin... I, get, I assume it's like him throwing in some knowledge and not just totally making it up. But the idea that Polanski was like, you know, conducting the audience and that when he's just like, here, watch this. And they all lean to mm-hmm. go look at that. I fucking loved that, man. I yeah. love, love, loved that. Yeah. I had read that somewhere before and I had forgotten about it. Oh, and cool. then, okay. and then when he brought that up, I was like, Oh, that's right. There's like a bot It's probably on the criterion uh, it's like Rosemary. a famous story, I guess. Of or like just like a Polanski's or even an urban <laughs> legend, or he said it in right. an interview or something. It's a great urban legend, if that's what it is. <laughs> yeah. So that was the person I was referencing earlier when I said that everyone you feel different about after reading this thing, everyone's story is different, you know, makes their character different in your eyes after reading it and then watching the movie again. Except for Polanski. He's the <laughs> one where you're just like, no, you pretty much will always feel how you're going to Same. feel. And he doesn't, he does a good job of um, not necessarily being fair with him, but, mm-hmm. you know, not, not trying to prep him up 
any totally. other or just sticking to the filmmaking anyway correct yeah which is the way to go if you want to talk about them yeah uh, pretty much there was all the bruce lee controversy with like quentin love opening it. his mouth about it and i love it too honestly i'm like because i don't know if you listened to the podcast of him with joe rogan or not i didn't it's really great honestly there's a lot of cool stuff in it but the big takeaway i guess was this bruce lee section and we don't even need to get into it but i i love the characterization of bruce in this piece in too. the movie in the book i think it's great yeah and actually he goes out of his way to like give bruce lee all the credit and it is told from basically cliff's point of view yeah and well the chapter is about cliff it's not about bruce right. lee and i and think so it's so much clearer in the book that by the time you rewatch the movie version of it it's like you're kind of oh. all there with cliff yeah i mean that's why when he throws him into the car it's kind of cartoonish a lot of it mm -hmm. is you know it's all him remembering it the way he remembers it and in the book it's like cliff thinks this is happening cliff thinks blah 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 um i do love how tarantino changes up his style throughout totally where the first chapter i was reading it i was like this reads just like a script but written in paragraph form right it's but, a screenplay in prose exactly a screenplay with no cameras in prose. <laughs> exactly so yeah exactly with no like lighting cues mm -hmm. and uh no cut so was, right so i was like oh, okay he's gonna write like that that's still fun whatever and then the next chapter will be something completely different and then he'll do the lancer chapter where it's just straight up the like the Cormac mccarthy just fucking straight western. up western yeah i'm just yeah. gonna do this with the characters and everything so which is also help, helpful because you know the characters that these characters are playing right it's it's really fun all of the yeah. all of the the like going way deep into the storyline of the of both bounty law and lancer just fully fleshed that out when i watched the movie because it was there's just so much more fun. I knew, I knew all of it. Like when Luke Perry's up there with his like leopard skin little thing on his hat, and he I, like I've already and the what is it the sangria red ruffled shirt mm -hmm. of uh, Johnny Madrid. I'm just like I was way more invested in the whole Johnny Madrid Johnny Lancer thing. Mm -hmm. It was just fucking so fun. And yeah. then Trudy, who we haven't even I was talked about to about, say Mirabella. Marabella, yeah. man, she she's such a scene stealer in the movie, and then she really steals the whole book. Yeah, and like, then she's a scene stealer. It's in the Cliff's book. book. It's Cliff's book. Rick is killing it, and then all of a sudden, it's like this little girl is everything. <laughs> yeah, she's awesome. Yeah, I I uh, recommend the book wholeheartedly. Just totally such a, such a easy breezy, easy breezy time with a cup. It was hey. a really great summer read, man. It's like just such it an was. easy little sit by the pool book. Oh, that's what I wanted to ask you is because you're uh, a bit younger than me, but did you ever want uh, read novelizations when you were yeah, younger? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So but I, I like, you know, usually uh, they weren't like, they, they were usually like written for kids, I think, or like, it seemed like it, or maybe, I don't know. Like, I remember reading like the next Karate Kid, the one with Hilary Swank. Mm -hmm. like, I they're read the novelization like, of that. So they're always like <laughs> 220 pages or something like mm -hmm. pretty straightforward. Yeah. I've read it. I've read it. I remember, I forget which ones, but I've read a couple of novelizations of movies and it was always such a, 
funny, weird thing because it's like you're just describing the movie. Um, two that I remember reading are for two movies that I've never seen. I oh. read the novelization as so a funny. like 12 year old or something like at summertime at the Safeway, they had a rack, you know, mm-hmm. it's either like yes, romance yep, novels, yep. Mm-hmm. true crime or novelizations of novelizations of movies. <laughs> yep. And it's like, well, I couldn't go see the R rated movie, but if I'm reading, they're like fucking whatever. Uh, so I read Malice with okay. uh, Alec Baldwin and uh, what's it, Nicole Kidman. Never cool. seen it, but mm-hmm. I remember reading the book and The Devil's Zone with Harrison Ford and Brad Pitt. Oh wow! <laughs> I've never I've never seen That's that movie great. either, but I remember reading those books. So yeah, I that was. That. So yeah, I I love that the uh, the book has that smell. It has ads in the back for the ads novelization. In the back were a nice touch. Yeah, novelizations of movies that would come out around that time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a so I'm gonna spoil a little bit of the Quentin Tarantino. Uh, interview with joe rogan he talks about how he's gonna do another one of these novels for reservoir dogs awesome so there'll be a novelization of that and then uh, i guess he's also because he's only doing the one more movie he's sticking by that we don't know what it is he doesn't know what it is i guess but uh he was talking about doing the novelization of reservoir dogs after this and doing a play version of reservoir dogs and a play version of the hateful eight and an original story that is a play. That would make sense. I mean, those so are all basically he's, one. He's shifting into novels and plays. And honestly, I think that's such a good move for him. And I'm going to, yeah. I don't care what the 10th movie is. It's going to be great. Yeah, I think he's. Even probably, if it sucks, it's going to be great. <laughs> I think he's probably done traveling and he's getting older and he's got mm-hmm. a kid to raise. He's like, yeah, I'll be on location for one more, you know, six months or whatever. And yep call it a career and then just do the playwriting and yeah why not just just one last thing unless you have do you did you have any other fun little things you wanted to no, go say for, right? um if you this is just purely hypothetical you have the power to pick what the 10th and last quentin tarantino movie is what is it what does it look like sound like feel like smell like what is it well, I think he's already done like his homage to Hollywood. Mm-hmm. He's done his gangster picture. He's done his crime picture. The revisionist history, the Western, the war picture, the Kung Fu flick, exploitation. Mm-hmm. He hasn't done a scary movie yet. And oh, ending with a gnarly horror film. He's not cool. going to because they asked him about like the scene at Spawn Ranch saying like that's the closest you've ever gotten he's like that's the closest i'll ever get to doing horror, horror. Gotcha. yeah so he's that not gonna... scene does play out kind of horror a little like oh super suspenseful oh yeah, man I just want to give Icky, a shout Icky out scene. just want to give a shout out who i never thought in a million years the character that i would come out liking okay if you were just a ratio wise you don't end uh-huh. up liking this person uh-huh. but but the ratio to like how little you liked them to how much you do now like them that gap is uh-huh. probably the biggest for squeaky yeah totally <laughs> I'm in squeaky's, on squeaky. squeaky's amazing in the book she, she doesn't leave the house she legit likes george uh, george yeah likes her him. job likes her 
she's got a good job man does it well gets to watch (laughs) tv smokes weed all day takes care of george that Mm -hmm. and is legitimately concerned for his well-being yeah squeaky for being a psychotic manson family member Uh um with a kind of a piss poor attitude uh uh, to everyone except for george Uh i i you know what i'm gonna leave you to it enjoy enjoy george in the house I'm, I'm i'm team squeaky that's that's awesome i love that <laughs> you know everyone needs a everyone needs something yeah well look at that i didn't i didn't uh i didn't think we would ever do one of these about a book but look at that we've we've done it hey we read we, we read. read damn it that's right. right well this was fun super fun i'm looking forward to uh more of quentin's writing i i you know what that's a nice thing too it's like we always talk about what a, what a great writer he is what a great writer he is but we only ever for the most part see the finished product we're not reading it's not like everyone's out there reading his screenplays on the train mm-hmm. so like right. getting to sit and read the man's writing you really get that reminder like he is fucking so good at this job yeah i have He's his screenplay <laughs> i have his screenplay for jackie brown oh hell uh, yeah sitting in the house but uh yeah he's he is our generation's like guy i think he's our guy man he's our guy he's our guy well Um, you're my guy you're my guy too jt i'm glad we did this i'm glad we both read it at the same time you know way to way to hop on it yeah can't be late to the party on tarantino no way no way uh sweet dude well enjoy the rest of your day you too my brother we'll do another one of these soon yes sir Cool. Adios, peoples.